are listening to the Island Christian Church of Holbrook podcast. Today's message, given on March 18th, 2018, is titled, Our True Heritage. Genesis chapter 1, verse 1 is where we're going to start. Page 1 in your Bible. If you don't have a Bible, we have one for you. Just raise your hand and James will bring one to you. This place is lousy with Magnus today. So, um, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That's it. That's what we're going to focus on today. You ever think about your heritage? I am of Italian-American descent. My, my family, uh, part of my family started in uh, Benevento. There's still family there where Benevento is east of Naples. That's on my father's side. I think my, my father's mother is also from the same area. My, uh, my mother's side, my grandfather's from Naples, and my, uh, my grandmother is actually from Sicily, from uh, Palermo. That's my heritage. So because of that, uh, I get to talk with my hands, and if you tie my hands behind my back, I won't be able to say a word. I tend to use my hands. I say, hey, uh, what are you doing? Kesarich. <laughs> so, so our heritage is, you know, feeds into a lot of who we are today. As Americans, we look at our heritage in, uh, in our revolution, in the Declaration of Independence, and and our constitution, and it drives even how we think of ourselves today and, and where we're going in the future. Going back to my Italian heritage, it drives, uh, when I was a kid, we used to have Sunday afternoon pasta, you know, and, and the family would always come every Sunday afternoon. It even, it even drove our funerals, you know, it would be these big wakes and we, it would go on for days and some, uh, cultures have uh, funerals in a pub. And you know what? That's fine. You know, that's just the way they choose to do it. Um, so the point is, is that our heritage and where we come from really affects a lot of how we think about ourselves and how we make decisions uh, about our future. That's true spiritually, too. And our heritage spiritually uh, is, is actually quite confusing, especially in today's culture, because we have this statement in Genesis chapter 1 that God created the heavens and the earth, but for the most part, in our culture, that has been poo-pooed, and we are taught that we evolve from nothing. It's Darwinism. Darwin came up with this idea after he lost his daughter to an illness and got angry with God and made some observations outside the context of God and came up with the theory of evolution, which has been uh, stolen by many people over time uh, to, to actually come to a point where there is no God, and we're all just an accident. Now think about this. There was nothing. At one point, there had to be nothing. How do you get something from nothing? There was a big bang. Okay, what exploded? Nothing. 
I mean, if you really think about it, it doesn't make any sense. We came from nothing. There are scientists, even today, who are secular scientists, who have come to the conclusion that evolution is absolutely impossible, cannot happen. Think about this. You drive a truck loaded with C4 and paint and drive it into the Sistine Chapel and make it explode, and all of a sudden the ceiling's painted with the great Michelangelo. I mean, that's what they're saying with evolution, that there's this explosion and something came to be. Our DNA is so complex. There's no way that it can just happen by accident. Just the DNA, there is no such thing as a simple cell. I mean, Darwin's whole philosophy came from a simple cell. There's no such thing as a simple cell because there's DNA in that cell. DNA is one of the most complex proteins on, on Earth. So were we created or did we evolve from nothing? And, and how does that affect the way we think about ourselves? So in evolution, we're going to get into this a little bit. In evolution, we're a little higher than the monkeys. There is this hierarchy. We're on top of the heap and we get to make the calls. We get to say what's ethical, what's moral, what's right, what's wrong. What's the problem with that? Well, if I say what's right and wrong, well, then you say what's right and wrong, and they don't jive. You start to get a little chaos, don't you? Then it goes, evolves to, well, you know, that's what's right for you. You know, you have to do what's right for you, what feels good for you. And I get to do what feels good for me. Well, what happens if what feels good for me is not good for you? Like murder. I mean, is murder okay? I don't know. Don't know. The concept of God, this is a quote from a Darwinist, concept of God interferes with our sexual mores and therefore has to be put away. And that's why evolution is embraced. Because without God, we can do whatever we want sexually. That's one of the reasons that human beings tend to embrace Darwinism. Racism comes from Darwinism. Here's what Darwin said. In 1881, quote from Darwin, lower races will in time be eliminated by the Caucasian, higher, higher developed Caucasian species. Darwin. He also said elsewhere that eventually the Caucasians will exterminate the more savage races of the world. Hitler was a devout Darwinist, and he consistently sought that the practices of Germany align and conform to evolution. And that cost six million lives. 
Marx, devoted Darwinist, 20 million Russians died under his hand. Sagan ascribed to the stages of an embryo. The first trimester is a fish. The second trimester is a reptile. And towards the end of the third trimester, somewhere, it becomes a union, human. That has led to over 40 million abortions in this nation since Roe versus Wade. Now, before I go on from that, if you have had an abortion, this is not a statement of condemnation. We are under a deception in this world that we have evolved and that life is an accident and it's not sacred. And if you are struggling with that abortion and you realize that maybe it wasn't the best choice, Know this, that God has his arms wide open, ready to forgive you. And if you receive that forgiveness through Jesus Christ, he sees you as pure, clothed in white, and forgiven. Amen. None of this is meant for condemnation. Just a statement of how things are and, and how, when we embrace Darwinism, when we embrace evolution, realize what you're embracing. I remember when I first came to this church, which is now over 25 years ago, and I heard Pastor Ayers preaching on creationism, I realized that there was a dissonance within me, that there was a conflict, because I was always told that creation was some kind of fairy tale, and we all evolved. Now, I never studied evolution. I didn't really care. But... The fact that that was my basis of who I am, it really drove the way I behaved. I really had no limits in my life. I went in every direction. And when, when I came face to face with the possibility that there was a creator, it's actually very hard to accept because that completely conflicted against my flesh and the way I was living. And that's why it's easy to embrace, embrace evolution because we are spiritually dead before we come to the <laughs> Lord. We are reacting completely to the flesh until God awakens the spirit within us. And now there's this conflict. And if you have conflict, praise God because that means that God is working in your life. That means that he is bringing and pouring out the spirit of conviction into you and bringing you near to him. I had to work through that. But once I studied it, I said, you know what? This is a no-brainer. Evolution is the fairy tale. Consider the termite. <laughs> the termite eats wood. We owned a house years ago where I opened up the wall and there were termites everywhere, 
eating wood. Guess what? They don't digest wood. They have a bacteria inside them that digests the wood for them so that they can benefit from the cellulose within the wood. Guess what? The bacteria cannot live anywhere but inside the termite. How did those things evolve without each other? Right? The giraffe. Giraffe has a heart that's two feet long. Right? The reason that's there is because when the giraffe is drinking and then he hears a lion and he swings that head, it goes 18 feet from, from bottom to top. If he didn't have that cardiovascular support, he would pass out. Now, if the, if the giraffe didn't start with that heart, there wouldn't be any giraffes. That lion would have had a meal, right? Birds. How did they learn how to fly? They just kept falling out of the nest until one of them decided that they can do this? I mean, I, I, don't, I don't get it, right? The, the what's that? Bad birds. Bad birds. <laughs> I hope that got on the tape. Um, the golden flubber. This is a good one. <laughs> Listen up. The golden flubber is a bird that spends the summers in Canada. And during the time that they're in Canada, they mate, they have their eggs, um, and they gain 70 grams of fat while they're in Canada. They hatch their eggs, and right after they hatch their eggs, they fly to Hawaii. It's an 88-hour flight. <laughs> they fly straight through, and they burn one gram of fat per, per hour. So now there's a discrepancy mathematically. You have an 88-hour flight, but you have 70 grams of fat. So what they do is they take turns flying in a V, and the guy up front creates a draft, which makes it easier for the other birds to fly, and they rotate, and they make it to Hawaii with the 70 grams of fat. I'm not done. <laughs> After two weeks, the birds that hatched fly to Hawaii, and they don't miss. That evolved. That's an accident, not We have a creator. We're not just doing that one verse, just so you know. <laughs> Throughout chapter 1, God creates in different phases. He creates and he says he saw it was good. He creates plants. Plants have body. You know, they have form. And with that fruit, God looked at a peach and he said, this is good. Was it good for him? No. Wait until Adam bites into this peach. He's thinking about what Adam is going to feel and see and experience when he bites into that peach or when he smells that rose. Let me just tell you something. When we step into heaven there are going to be beautiful aromas from all of the, the flowers and plants that God has planted. God is a gardener. 
And we are going to be overwhelmed with the fragrance. And we're going to taste the fruit from God's garden. And it's going to be like nothing we've ever tasted before. God said it was good because he's like, Adam, is, his mind is going to be blown when he tastes this. Then he creates the animals. And the animals have body. They also have soul. They have awareness. They have some basic intelligence. They can learn. If anybody owns a dog or a horse, you know, or, or a cat, you know that they learn. They have a certain level of soulishness. They have a certain level of intelligence. Our dogs, we can tell that they want to play. We can tell by their tail, by their ears. Sometimes it even looks like they're smiling. Usually after they eat my food. (laughs) And then God created man in his image. Body, soul, spirit. The only time God says something is not good, and he says, not good for man to be alone. He puts Adam into a deep sleep. He's about to do surgery. And he takes out a rib and he forms a helpmeet, a partner that would be perfect for him. And Adam wakes up and he looks at her and he says, whoa, man. (laughs) And that's how we got woman. So he looks at everything. He says, it's very good. Very good. Created this garden, these animals for the enjoyment of Adam and Eve. This is where I believe we come from. We were created in his image. Adam and Eve had a certain light about them. They had God's glory around them, and they fellowship with God in the garden. He would meet them in the cool of the day, every day, and walk with them and talk with them. And they had this incredible fellowship. And he said, everything, everything in this garden is yours. Eat from it all, except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Why did God do that? Any guesses why God would do that? Because he doesn't want us walking around like robots. I love you, Father. I love you, Father. I love you, Father. We are agents of free will. We can make choices. And with that tree, there was nothing about the fruit itself of that tree, but the fact that God said, We have a choice to obey God or not obey God. There was a choice right there in Eden, in the place of perfection. There was choices. Now, you all know the story, but I'm going to give the overview. The devil comes in the form of a serpent, and he tempts Eve, and and he says, "Did, did God say that you can't eat the fruit in the garden? And of course, the devil is twisting the truth, right? He's twisting God's word. Shameless plug, we're meeting Thursday night at 7.30 to talk about that. Anybody wants to join us, come on in. Right here, 7.30. Be there or be square. And 
Eve is deceived and she eats of the fruit. And then she gives it to Adam to eat, who was there with her also. Now, Eve was deceived. Adam was willfully disobedient. And that is why we say that we have received the sinful nature from Adam, our father, passed down from generation to generation since the fall. So now their light has gone out. And they hear God coming to them to meet with them. It's their daily meeting in the cool of the day. And they hide from God and they try to cover themselves because now they, they realize that they're naked. Wasn't a problem before, but it's a problem now. And they're trying to cover themselves. Think about that. They're trying to cover themselves. Doesn't that sound like religion? More on that in a second. So they're hiding from God. God asks Adam, where are you? Now, God knows where Adam is. He's just asking because he wants to know where he is spiritually. What have you done? What he's asking. And we get to a point where a sacrifice is made. Adam and Eve are covered by the skins of animals, the blood sacrifice, and now God has to usher them out of the garden. Don't you think that broke his heart? He had made that garden and he said, it is good. It's going to blow their mind. This is, they're going to enjoy the fragrances. And, and he was meeting with them regularly, fellowshipping with them. And now he pushes them out. And, and the language actually says he's pushing them out. They don't want to go. And now they're standing in a wilderness a barren land, and there's no way back to Eden because God guards it, cherubim, flaming, flaming swords. They go forth, and now they have to work, and they are commanded to multiply, and they will. They have Cain, and they have Abel. And what was it like as children when, when Cain and Abel saw Adam go at the end of the day and make the sacrifice? Because they were taught that they had to make a sacrifice because Abel would bring the first, firstborn of his flock and he would bring in an offer to God. But Cain, now he took the best of his fruits and vegetables because he was a tiller of the land and he brought that to God. And you look at the two, and they're like, they're both bringing their best, but they're not bringing what God commanded. Cain did not bring what God commanded. Abel brought a blood sacrifice. Cain brought what he felt he should bring. That's a picture of religion and relationship. And that's a foreshadow of Jesus Christ. Because religion killed Abel. This is our heritage, and we're trapped in it. We're trapped in it. We were created, and then we were separated. But Jim, it wasn't my fault. 
I wasn't there. I know. I know. But you have to look at yourself. Flesh or spirit. We are spiritually dead until we come to know Jesus Christ as our Savior. The, the spirit has to be reborn within us. We all come from Noah. We're off the boat. I used to say that about my, you know, my family. We're off the boat from Italy. We're off the boat from Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Every one of us is family. We all go back to that same origin. And, you know, if you, if you look at Darwinism, racism comes from Darwinism. It doesn't come from God. In God's eyes, we're all from the same family. God loves us. And, and you know what? He loves us because we know this in John, the Gospel of John, chapter 1. Verse 1 sounds very similar. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. There is no accident that these things sound the same. In the beginning, when God created the heavens and the earth, Jesus was there. When God created all that was good, Jesus was there. When God created Adam and Eve, Jesus was there. Jesus was there before the beginning. And he was slain from the foundation of the earth. When Abel made his blood sacrifice in his offering to God for the forgiveness of sins, Jesus was there and already slain. It was a foreshadow of the gift that God was going to give us, the inheritance and our heritage. The word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory. Glory of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. For from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God who is at the Father's side, but he has made him known. So our heritage tells us a lot about where we're from, where we are, and where we're going. If you believe that you came from nothing, that you evolved and you're a little bit higher than a monkey, then there's no wonder that teen suicide is like an epidemic. There's no hope. We're just an accident. The only thing in life is to indulge in pleasures. And I'll tell you, I've been there, and you wind up with a gaping hole in your soul. And you really start to wonder what your purpose is. And we question how a teenager can walk into a high school and kill 17 people in cold blood. 
trying to find the answers for that. But you know what? He was told that he's worthless and that the people around him were worthless because we're all just an accident. And it's really all about survival of the fittest. That's what evolutionists embrace. They may not realize the darkness, the foreboding of that. People go as far as thinking, you know what, there's no God and I can live any way I want. They don't realize where that leads to death, to suffering, to racism, to sexual perversion. Or you can believe that there is a father in heaven who loves you, who gave birth to you, created you, knew you while you were still in your mother's womb, has a plan for you personally and a plan for his church corporately. And together we are all one big family waiting for the time to see our Lord and Savior face to face, to live eternally in his pleasures. So what do we do with this? The first thing is pray for our nation because our nation is deceived. Our culture is deceived in thinking that people have no value. It's all a free-for-all. King of the mountain. The second thing is, realize and reflect on who you are and where your heritage is and how it's going to determine how you behave today and your goals for tomorrow. 